Welcome to the Pitching Nerd Show, where we get nerdy about the art of pitching. I'm your host, Sean Kitzman, a.k.a. The Pitching Nerd. Let's get into the show. Hey, Pitching Nerd crew, this is Sean Kitzman here, a.k.a. The Pitching Nerd. I have a super cool guest on. I'm so excited to talk to Mr. David Yeager, or Dave Yeager, who is... Uh, Dave, say your title because I just butchered it, but you'll say it better than I do. <laughs> I'm a I'm a major league assistant athletic trainer for the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah, so go crew. Um, you know the crew is my minor or my my national league team. Um, I've been to Miller Park more times than probably any other stadium outside of Comerica Park. So um, you know we've talked offline. Uh, my my cousin lives in Milwaukee and. Uh, you know, during the summer, we get there probably about four or five times, and we'll probably go to a crew game, probably you know at least twice while we're there. So, um, and you know, the the amazing thing that I love about Milwaukee as a city is the culture and the community in Milwaukee is just incredible. You know, um, the team, the city just embraces the team in in a way that you don't see in a lot of other cities. Yeah, it's a, it's amazing how like ingrained in the fiber of the of the population the team is. It's 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 an incredible atmosphere. And and you know you, you can see that because it's it's I mean and and I say this uh, not throwing shade on the Brewers as an organization, but as a as a smaller market team, um, it's hard to build a winning team all the time. And so the the yeah, I mean the crew uh, and the Brewers fans really support the team regardless of whether they're winning or they're losing you know it's like you said it's it's a it's part of the fabric of the culture in the community which is really super cool to see yeah it's it's a it's it's really fun to to be there in front of in front of everybody every night yeah and you get i mean like so here in minneapolis you don't have uh and even in detroit um you know there's not a uh uh there's not a parking lot that surrounds Comerica, there's not a parking lot that surrounds uh, uh, Target Field. And so you don't get the same opportunities to tailgate. And that's one of my favorite things is, man, you go show up like two hours early and you and you get your grill out and you sit. And then like that way you start talking to the guy that's next to you, you know, um, and, and you wind up having these conversations with people around you. Uh, that is really super cool. The first time we went, Gosh, the first time we went, no, it was probably the second time we went because the first time we went, it it was raining pretty hard. Although there were people out there tailgating, like you know, we just our son was I don't know, probably like nine, and there's no way he was gonna have like sitting out in the rain tailgating. But yeah. you know, so yeah, so super cool. So um, and now like this is an interesting thing because I don't know that a lot of people understand kind of your job and then like the 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 different things that happen in your life. So talk about, you don't live in Milwaukee during the, the, the off season. So where do you live in the off season? So I live in, I live in North Alabama during the off season. Yep. So that my, my, my family is from Alabama, yep. although I, my father was in the service. So I grew up all over the, sure. all over the country, but, but uh, my family's from Alabama. So I went to, I went to college here in, uh-huh. in Alabama and, met my wife here and sure and so we um you know when when i got into baseball eventually we we 
kind of just stayed in this area while I went about the country doing doing what I was doing and and uh, we just kind of stayed stayed here as our as our home base and then you then you live in Milwaukee during the season then yeah I live in Milwaukee during the season I have a um, I, I stay at a uh, at an, a like an extended stay sure. hotel kind of scenario during the season sure 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 yeah yeah which has got to be really interesting right I mean like do you get does it get to do you get the same room every time or or yeah uh, yeah okay so yeah so it kind of feels like home yeah it's kind of like it, it's like an apartment yeah kinda, yeah kind of uh, feel yeah cool and then uh yeah yeah that's interesting that's that's an interesting thing because you know the, all the support staff around a team they all have families and so you know you've you're gonna do different things. I mean, you know, like some like some players live in the city that they that they play in, and then other players, you know, they'll spend the summer there, and then they then they they actually have a you know a winter home or a normal home. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, and I'm kind of I guess I'm kind of the kind of the same way. I I get to come back down to the south when it starts getting cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So um. So talk to me about like early on in your, you know, when you were a kid. So did you play baseball when you were a kid? I play, you know, I played like little league, um, you mm-hmm. know, and, and that kind of stuff. But I, I uh, by the time I got to high school, uh, I kind of gravitated towards tennis, to be honest. So sure. I, I, I played tennis. Uh, I played, um, you know, kind of competitive, both high school and the tournament circuit okay. kind of in tennis and okay. um, but I was uh, pretty pretty balanced well-rounded kind of uh-huh. uh, athlete or baseball tennis I played some soccer growing up uh-huh. um, you know I tried my hand at basketball but not my not my thing <laughs> sure um, you know so uh, uh, I I just was around athletics uh, you know and sports a lot from from that standpoint and we talked about this a little bit offline, but I think this is an interesting thing. One of the so one of the things that's happened for me over the last well, twenty years, but really principally I've, over like the past twelve years of working with a lot of younger folks, you know, kids that are, you know, I start working with them at twelve or thirteen, and I we work together until they get into high school or get out of high school and into college, and a lot of kids will somewhere along the way, they'll kind of come to this realization of like, hey you know, something about what you do is really cool. Um, I think I might want to do that, right? So talk to me about how, well, and we were talking about this offline. Um, back when you went to college, I mean, athletic training and, and in high schools, at, at, they didn't have athletic trainers a lot, at, right? But at the at the high school that I, so I, I was in a couple different high schools, like I said, because I moved a lot, sure. but the, the one, the, the the couple that I spent the majority of my time at no we we didn't we didn't have an athletic trainer that right. that came through there so um, I kind of got I kind of back I guess backdoored my way uh-huh. into athletic training because uh-huh. I start I kind of started out in strength and conditioning sure, and then, sure. and then um, kind of transitioned that way yeah so so did you get like an exercise science like batch or associates and then started to go like more towards uh, athletic training and in, in your in your bachelor's no i mean i, I kind of start i started the the journey um in high school i guess like i said i was a tennis player sure. I, I was, I was kind of one of those those uh athletes that I, i'd get up in the morning 
uh, I'd go to the gym and then I'd go to school uh-huh. uh, and then I'd go back to the gym and work on the tennis and I'd go home and do the homework and eat and do all that stuff sure. and get up the next day and do it again and then tournaments on the weekends sure. and, and, and things like that. And um, I was fortunate that at the, the, the gym and club that I practiced at, they had a, um, number one, they had a fitness center, but number two, they had kind of a, uh, a consulting company that that rented some space out of sure. there too and so they they uh, i used them you know to kind of train me as an as an athlete mm-hmm. and um you know at one point long story short at one point in my senior year in high school i was like i'm going to take a break from tennis um and i and I, to be honest, outside of just kind of picking up a racket with my family nowadays, every now and then, I, I never really picked up a racket since sure. then. Sure. I just didn't miss it. Sure. But what I what I missed was the training aspect. Yeah, yeah. So, so I asked uh, this group if I could just shadow them and intern with them the summer before I went to college, and because mm-hmm. uh, I knew I kind of wanted to do something in that that arena, and uh, so when I went to school. Uh, I basically, you know, got myself dressed up, uh, got my resume put together, and I walked into the um, the college weight room, you know, at, in the athletic department, and kind of knocked on the head strength coach's door Do and said, "I'm Dave Yeager. I kind of want to do this for a living, and here's here's what I've done." So I at least had some some experience, you know, and uh, some shadowing experience, and. Um, and I did the same thing in the in the athletic training room. Walked into the, you know, one of the assistant trainers' offices for the Olympic sports, and you know, I want to, I kind of, I think I might want to do something along these lines. I'd like to, to work in here, and and so I, I I was a from day one basically of my college experience. I was a student strength coach and a student athletic trainer, and just kind of immersed myself in in that. Well, I think the important thing too is is you know um, for a lot of the younger kids out there to understand. Where did you so in high school? Where was this at? Where were you living at at the time? Uh, I was in Maryland, Rockville, Maryland. Okay, so yeah. just just outside of DC. Sure. So um, you know, <laughs> there's not a lifetime in every corner back in yeah. the 80s and 90s, right? Yeah. So so the 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 amount of luck that you had to find that group that you worked with in high school and they were good. I mean, yeah. that's, you're, you're playing the lotto. You know? Oh, I'm telling you, you, you want to talk about how lucky I was. So the, the, the guy that, um, that owned that company, uh, number one, he used to, he used to, to be involved with the university of Maryland. Sure. Uh, but, but he was also involved with the Washington Redskins at a time. But at the time I met him, he was the head coach and the head strength coach for USA Bobsled. Oh, uh, and so, um, so you know, you want to talk about luck and and some really neat experiences. I got I got some really cool, you know, shadowing experiences from 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 that from that group. What's funny is is he um, he eventually got into baseball later on. Uh-huh. In his, in his career and and we ran into each other as as you know colleagues, colleagues yeah uh, um over the last you know i don't know 10 years or so it's been really kind of cool actually 
So the other thing that I want to kind of point out too is is that a lot of kids, because they're not brought up in an environment where it's okay for them to kind of push the envelope a little bit and make waves a little bit and not follow conventional norms. I think, you know, I know a number of people that have grown up in, you know, as, as military kids, you know, um, there's a, there's a level of like, you just got to throw caution to the wind and say, screw it. I'm going to do whatever it is that I'm going to do because I'm in each one of these places potentially for a short period of time. So I I don't really have to follow kind of the conventional rules a little bit because that's, that's what I am. But your the amount of discipline that you showed to get in, like when you would go to the gym early and do like your day and, you know, um, now that is a normal thing for people. You know, when your kid is involved in even at a crappy level, like a local club team level. But back in the day, man, you, I'm sure that your family and the people around your family just thought your parents were crazy. Like you, he's getting up and doing all those things and you're taking him to tournaments on the weekend. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and they would. They would, you know, especially before I could drive, they'd take me to tournaments For sure. and stuff. But but uh you know i would take the i'd take the public bus to sure. get to where i needed to go and, sure um especially because you know both obviously you know my both my and my both my parents work so sure um so I, yeah i would i would figure out how to get there well you know, get a bus pass and go and and that's that's a real another really interesting thing too because so the i grew up in the country i grew up in the middle of nowhere the road i grew up on is still dirt it will be dirt till the end of time so I'm 44. We moved in in 78. So, you know, that house has been there for 42 years. In 42 years, I think there's maybe 10 houses, uh, 12 houses that went up on our side of the road. Right. So there was you had the you had the ability to use the, the public transit system to get to places that you need to get to. Like, I think there this is this is always one of the interesting things to me about people's journeys in life is like, how did you get to where you're at and what did you take advantage of to get there? So for me, I didn't have any of that opportunity because there's no way I could get on the local farmer's cow and ride into town because <laughs> both yeah. my parents worked at the same time. But yeah. you, you, you had opportunities and you took advantage of those opportunities. And so, you know, like the, the amount of balls it takes to walk into a college program, knock on the door and say, yo, this is who I am. Like credit to not only you, but probably somewhere along the way, your parents did a really nice job of preparing you to do those things. Well, I mean, I, I'm um, in the core of my soul. I'm a pretty introverted person. Sure. Like, to be honest, like this current lockdown is is a dream. Like I just sit, <laughs> I just sit in my office and read and study and yeah. you know just kind of keep to myself. Um, but my, you know, my my father was the exact opposite, right? And um, and he he would he would have a he would always just kind of like every now and then he's like he'd say you know you just need to walk into a room and just throw caution to the wind and be like I'm Dave Yeager how do you like me so far that's you right know? dude yeah and and uh, so sometimes that that kind of comes out yeah <laughs> yeah no I mean I think it's an it's an important thing and in a lot of people don't get to certain places because they're not able to do that. You know, they, they, they just settle for normal conventions. You know, I mean, like this whole get up I do here, I, 
I know there's people that watch me and they're like, this guy's just an asshole. Look at what he's <laughs> doing, right? And the reason I'm doing it is because, A, my goal is to, my goal is to, in a year, when we're in Milwaukee and we go to a baseball game and I've got my shirt on and I've got my glasses on, somebody goes, oh, that's the pitching nerd. <laughs> that's, I mean, because that's a brand, right? Yeah, I'm building yeah. a brand. And yeah. so... So and by the way, I've never done stuff like this before ever in my life. Like I've never like done this. I don't have a problem being an oddball by the way either. But like, you know, <laughs> so but but that's how you a lot of times that's how you get stuff done. You've got to take charge of your own thing and and it's really cool to like listen to you talk about that early on in your life that, you know, you and you walked into two situations and made something happen for yourself. Like how many times do guys, and you you see this at the pro level, you see a guy that has really a lot of talent, but because he's a little bit more introverted, he's not so assertive, he doesn't get to certain places, right? And Yeah, and, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely a factor sometimes, I think. Yeah, so, so I think that you, you know, I mean, in our industry, it's the same way, you know, like I don't, I'm not asking for permission, you know? I, I like, I'm not calling the, the, baseball pitching coaches trainer association of you know northern minneapolis or whatever the hell it is i don't even know what it is and i don't care like i don't i'm not asking them like i was talking to a, a parent last night and he's like so you know about certifications and stuff like that and a certification as a as a pitching coach is just a hilarious thing to me at a at a private level right and yeah. so this guy's like he's like so you know um what should we say and i'm like well so i have a client that just got got contacted by the 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 angels yesterday right i'm like he listed me as a pitching coach like they don't know the local the the college in alabama has no idea who who the local travel baseball team is here unless they recruited a kid from that place so other than that it doesn't really matter right so i'm not like sitting here waiting asking for permission and you created a position for yourself twice that probably largely shaped the way that the rest of your professional life went right so if if you don't knock on the door in those two places and get in you might not have the opportunities that you had now oh for sure i mean i'm a i'm a big believer and everything happens for a reason so just you just kind of set a you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, I, you know, I got my Star Wars yeah, yeah. shirt on, and, but I'm a big Marvel guy too. Sure, so, yeah. like, you know, you, you, you see these timelines like move, and, and you're like, if I've just changed this little thing, yep. what would have happened? You yep. know, and, and, uh, uh, I, the definitely, definitely everything happens for a reason. So, so then growing up as a kid, what was your favorite comic book then? Cause I was a big comic book dork as a kid. So to be honest, I, I, I'm a big movie guy. Okay. okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, I, you know, that back when I was a kid was when all the, you know, HBO first started sure, and, then, yeah. and then, and then, uh, all the, you know, movie rental places popped up yep. everywhere. So yep, yep. Pretty much just sit there with five, five rentals for two ninety nine and, <laughs> have a friday night yep <laughs> yeah no for sure for sure so you so you start uh working at, at the college or you start kind of like you know interning or shadowing or whatever you want to call it there and then so what was your what was your initial degree like when you went in when you when you went in uh uh as a freshman in college like what was your what were what was kind of your route there so so i started out as pre-med okay. um so my my father was a a military officer uh and my and my family so again my family from is from alabama so 
you know, when when you're from Alabama, it's 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 you know, you basically have to declare at birth who your college sure, for is sure. for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I'm an I'm an Auburn guy, War Eagle. Yep. And and um, but my my father being uh, in the service, it was it was either like I, I basically had it was a constant conversation like you can go to Auburn or Annapolis, right? Like, sure. This is, yeah. These, yeah, are, these, these are, are these are options. Yeah. These are my these are my options, right? Yeah. Well, I didn't I didn't you know I didn't particularly want to um, uh, go into the service myself. Sure. Uh, although looking back, like now in the position that I have and what I do and traveling and back and forth and away from my family, it's actually there's a lot of parallels. Yeah, sure. Um, the um, uh, and so then it was this constant battle with my dad. <laughs> of uh well you got to do something that you can make a living at yep. and support your family at, with and and uh so i compromised at first with pre-med um and then um i just kind of gravitated towards uh exercise science sure yeah uh, so that was that was my um kind of my uh my you know finally i was like dad listen <laughs> this is what i want to do this is what i'm going to do yep and he didn't put up a fight you know he's sure. like i get it you know sure um but at the time, so so now in the current state of athletic training, like if you want to be an athletic trainer, you have to go to an accredited yep. athletic training program. Yep. Um, back then, uh, accredited programs were sprouting up, but it wasn't. There were two routes: you yep. could do the program, or you could do the what was called the internship program, yep. Yep. Uh, which was like a work study program, yep. which was basically what um, what I did um uh what how how auburn was set up at the time was the work study sure. scenario which is, so, a, which is and the, boy we worked like i you know i would work 60 hour weeks sure. between between the two and and stuff but it was so it was more than just shadowing sure. like we were we yeah. were the you know the workhorses for for getting stuff done and under the supervision of the full-time staff and the, the graduate assistants and and that kind of thing yeah, and I, you know, I mean, obviously, there's probably pros and cons to both sides, and you know, one could sit here and argue either way. If if it was yeah. me, if it was me, and someone had the option to go the two routes, the route that you went, I think is an amazing route because the amount of work experience that you get there right away, and the responsibility that you have to take on, because that's the thing that a lot of people have a hard time with, right? Is the the responsibility and and taking ownership of of your actions, and you yeah, have to do just, that right away. And just application, right? Yep. Just applying yep. the, the skill set and so forth. But uh, I mean, I, I think it has to be a blend. Like I, I would have, obviously we had courses that we had to take. Sure. And I, uh, I had, um, throughout my entire career, I've had tremendous mentors, yep. you know, and, and um, some of the GAs that I had back in school were unbelievable. Yep. And, and at the time, like the way it was set up, like a lot of this stuff, if we wanted to learn it, you know, if we wanted to know it, we had to learn it ourselves sure. and, and kind of dive into it. And I can remember, you know, 2 a.m., you know, nights where there's a group of three or four of us still just hanging out in the training room, just talking shop and studying for classes, but also trying to, you know, just learn what we needed Problem to do. Solved, and, yeah. yeah, and just, and thank God for, for those those GAs that I had that would volunteer their time just to stick around and help us 
learn how to do it. Well, what a cool thing too, because you were in an environment where there's there was I mean, GAs don't people don't do that unless they're not passionate about what they're doing and they yeah. have an absolute love for it. Because that's yeah. the other thing too. I think that's a big thing that separates people. <clears throat> you know, when when I have a kid come in to work with me, and, and I do this in front of the parents, one of the very first questions I'll ask is, um, why are you playing sports at this level? Who are you playing it for? Are you playing it for yourself or are you playing it for mom and dad? Because that's going to largely determine our success together. Because well, it's going to, yeah, it's going to determine the buy-in that the kid has and what you're yep. trying to do. And, yep. Yeah. And so, so what you saw right there, and, and I think that, you know, uh, a healthy, a, a healthy, passionate coaching environment can do so much for a kid, regardless of whether or not he plays at the next level, whatever that next level is. But being around people that are that are passionate and love the thing that they're doing can be such an instrumental game change for people. Um, and and you being around that thing and, and being in that environment that time, because that's pretty much an incubator, right? I mean, yeah. that's an incubator. And it's also kind of a sign of things to come, right? Because like, what do you do now? I mean, I'm sure, well, you guys are on the road. You know, there's lots of time where you're like, well, X, Y, and Z is going on. We got to solve the problem now. You know, like we've got to figure this out. And there's there's this kind of joint action that happens that you saw back then. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm fortunate enough at our at uh, at my level where there's there's three of us athletic trainers. Sure. Uh, and, and we have two strength and conditioning coaches and and we we do. Yeah, we sit we sit around occasionally and 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 talk shop and like, hey, we got this going on. Like, let's what what what's your you know, what do you got? What do you think? You know, like I'm trying to work on this. Yep. not having any success. You know, what do you got? How yep. would you approach it? And we constantly the beauty about uh, about that setup is we get we have the opportunity to bounce stuff off each other. When right. I was when I was that when I was in the minor leagues, you know, it was just me and my strength coach. Yep. And and uh, I'm fortunate enough to have some really good ones, you know, coming up in the system, and and we would do the same thing, bounce stuff off each other. Um, you know, now that you know texting is awesome, we're constantly back and forth with with buddies and colleagues, and that's why I I, I always love spring training too because. We're all there and sure. can do that. Sure. We used to we used to have um, this thing we would call the hot tub topic of the week, sure. right? Like where yeah. once a week we just hang out by the pool at the team hotel uh, and just, hey, this is what's been interesting me lately, or you know whatever, and just kind of go around like, like a round table and do stuff like that. Or we would when we were between fields, just watching guys take batting practice. You know, there's not a lot of cognitive. <laughs> no, you know, we don't. We don't. You know, stimulation for for us in that scenario. So we we would do the same thing. Just kind of hang out between the fields and talk shop and and just bounce ideas off each other. And and I that's what I, I you know I love it because that's what I did as a student. Sure. Um, and and I just I just kind of try and do the same thing now. Yeah, I mean, and the cool thing too is that you have those relationships with with those, you know, because a lot of the times there's this divide between, you you know, the strength guys and the rehab guys, right? I mean, like there's yeah. there's this, the, so the that the the environment there is healthy enough that you guys can do that is really super cool because oh, it is that that benefits the players and the and the culture of the club so much. I know I know someone that works for uh, a 
a, a major league team. Um, and the feeling that I got when I talked to that person was that was not the case that she was that where she was at. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's, it's unfortunate that that happens. I mean, I, I know of college settings yep. where that happens a lot. Yep. Um, I, I, to me personally, I can't, I don't, I can't fathom it. I, yeah. I, I guess it's like, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I've been really fortunate, you know, in, in our scenario, all three of our athletic trainers are also certified strength and conditioning sure. specialists. Um, both of our, uh, strength and conditioning coaches are also, uh, certified athletic trainers. That's super cool. And so, so we, we, we can, we speak the same language, yeah. you know, we can, we can talk the, I, I view, we view our, our weight room as a, an extension of the, the athletic training room and vice versa. So basically it's just a big, like, can you say yeah. that again? Because that is such an important <laughs> thing for people to hear, like talk about that environment and the extension between a rehab setting and then the, and then the actual getting out and loading like talk about that a bit well you know i um I, so again like i said i kind of started out in yeah. strength and conditioning and then so i kind of have the you know i use the same strength and conditioning principles you know that um that i would use in the healthy general population athlete arena you sure. know specificity overload progression sure you know, variability, all those, um, you know, I just, and I, but I use those same principles with, you know, the, the, the injured or, or, or what have you, uh, population, you know, and I, the only difference is, is what, what where they functionally are on the spectrum. Right. Yep. And so I just, yep. I just evaluate and analyze and reapply those principles. Yep. Till we till we kind of get back the other way and 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 uh, you know on the working with the the group that I get to work with every day uh, we just kind of foster that that whole uh, culture and environment so uh, we've talked about it offline but that's my goal here is to open a, a pitching and hitting facility here in the Twin Cities and I want to have a rehab in a in a performance based end of it and what you're talking about that is my goal. I will not be successful until I have the type of conversations in my facility that you have, because that benefits the athlete so much because a lot of times the strength guys just kind of get caught up in like, Oh, well, you know, and I'm going to paint with a very broad brush, but, but you know, like, Oh, you just got to get stronger. Let's load it up more, man. The reason that you're injured is you're not hurt. And then the rehab guys go, well, you know, you, you you can't pick up the teacup in this direction and turn it this way because if you do your whole body will break down like there's there's this these these extreme ends that oftentimes happen and those extreme ends get very polarized because <clears throat> on some level that that is true you know if, if the if certain things don't move in a certain fashion in a very very small manner that's true and then oftentimes there's a lot of times where that's not true and then on the other end of that, it's true. Like one of the reasons that guys don't throw hard is because they're not freaking strong enough. But also, if you're not tra strength training smartly, you can blow yourself up. So, so th that that very healthy balance back and forth between you guys is that much respect here. You know, like yeah, I can't. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't. I can't <clears throat> speak highly enough for how our how we 
built that and 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 fostered that that relationship because it, yeah. it's uh, it's key it it's key but again i go back to everything happens for a reason you know i i like i said i kind of started out that way and and it's just that's just kind of the shaped my whole thought process from the you know from the from the beginning and I, i'm just fortunate enough to work with a bunch of guys that that feel the same way yeah and you're probably those guys aren't just colleagues those guys are probably friends of yours like yeah you you all well, they're my they're they're my they're my family right For sure. like, uh, yeah we, we joke about it all the time like yeah you know i i spend i spend more time with them during the year uh than than you know unfortunately my family sometimes sure for sure yeah no <clears throat> what a cool what a cool environment so you're at auburn you're kind of knee deep in the internship um kind of you 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 get through it and then you get out into the real world and i'm sure that there was an mlb team knocking on the door right away right i mean like no <laughs> no i mean again just kind of how the journey takes its place like so uh i mean i'll i'll, I'll give you the the kind of spiel how i got to sure. baseball yeah. from, from from there because it, it but um you know at auburn i worked pretty much every sport that uh that they offer you know at some point and spent time with but i i loved when i worked with the baseball program um again you know talking about cultures i just uh -huh. i just i just love the the culture of the game and the the psyche of baseball players you know like it's funny because you can you know if you're if you see a crowd of people you can like look at them and be like oh yeah that's a baseball player sure like yeah you figure you figure it out uh and i just kind of meshed into that that kind of environment but when i when i graduated my undergrad uh i went and um i had just gotten married and then we we um we moved to kind of south of atlanta because i took a job in a clinic uh-huh uh, and and uh so i was working in a in a clinic um in the mornings and then i would go cover a high school so i sure. was the uh head athletic trainer for the for that for that high school and what a what another just unique experience because you go from being at a large <laughs> right program right. Yeah. where i've got mentors <laughs> and people to ask questions for i've got like money that that's available to you know to, was, to get what we need was was and, where was bo at in relation to auburn at that time were you were you close to him like as uh, far as was, was he there before or after you he was there before me so yeah. I, I was there from 90 to 94 okay so all right. he, yeah 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 uh although i did get to meet him on a sure. couple of occasions particularly after he hurt his hip he came back sure and, did some rehab rehab dude there, what but, a um, crazy thing that was man. yeah like yeah. Uh, the, the only that that could only happen to bo jackson by the way like nobody <laughs> else on the face of the planet but well, but the, the only way anybody was going to catch him if they choose King <laughs> like right right but but also like the the reason i asked that is because you know obviously every college program goes through its ups and downs and if you've like followed auburn over the last 20 or 30 years you know auburn's had these kind of peaks and valleys so when you're there, probably it's still kind of riding the high from Bo a little bit, right? Uh, early on, and then and then we uh, we were kind of in a in a valley, at sure. least from a from a football standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, we had coaching changes, and then yep. in the middle of the time that I was there, and yep. then right as I was leaving was another peak. another peak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Off. Like we finished. You know, we we well the the great illustration of that was when I uh, my my last football season there uh would have been 93 so oh. we we 
we finished 11 and 0 sure. uh, in 93 and won the Iron Bowl at home in 93. Uh, it was uh, Terry Bowden's first uh-huh. year uh-huh. there as the coach. And uh, 11 and 0, like we're on that peak, right? But we were on probation from stuff that happened a couple of years earlier. Sure. So, so 11 and 0, you know, was great, great, but we didn't get to do anything about it. Right, you know? right, right. So, so you start working at the high school. Talk about that a little bit, and then you know we'll kind of yeah. So, so you know, like I said, just you go from this big program where you've got all the resources and the help and whatever, and now all of a sudden it's just me, right? You know, and and so again, it's a great learning experience because you've got to just figure it out. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, you know, I work, um, you know, in the clinic in the mornings, and I'd go in the afternoon. I covered every sport, you know, so I was there till the first practice started and the last practice ended, or or um, basketball tournaments, you know, football games sure. on Friday yeah. night, yeah, yeah. you know, whatever. And uh, uh, so, but I knew, like, I only had the I only had the um, the undergraduate degree at the time, and and uh, the high school experience was actually really cool. So I thought, man, you know, what would be cool is if instead of working in the clinic, uh, I just got a full-time gig at a high school. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, maybe, you know, the way to do that is all right, uh, if I become a teacher mm-hmm. um, and then I can kind of blend into the, you know, and, and do that as well. So I, I went back and got my master's degree. Um, but I, I, I knew, you know, based on the, experience i had in undergrad you know a, a graduate assistantship was was what i was looking for sure uh, they kind of helped me pay for that sure, and do yeah. all you know do what i needed to do so i, I ended up at um jacksonville state university okay, in yeah. jacksonville alabama uh-huh. um they had just made the transition from d2 to d1 uh-huh. um so I, I went i i went in you know again i had my uh, had my interview and it really funny story so the the one of the the team physician at uh, at auburn had come from jacksonville mm-hmm. uh so he had worked with jacksonville state before and and um you know i walked into my interview with the head trainer and the and the uh assistant athletic trainer and the head trainer looked at me and he says well dr so-and-so says if i don't hire you i'm an idiot so when can you start and i was wow. like well when do you want me you know right. so um, so I, you know, that's, that's kind of where I ended up. I, I, I worked football and baseball, nice. uh, there as a GA. Um, we were a, myself and another guy were the very first two GAs that, uh, uh, JSU hired. Wow. Um, and, and, uh, so I got there, the full-time staff there was a head trainer and assistant athletic trainer. And then we had the two GAs and we had about 19 students. And and uh, so I got really blended into the mesh of the of the of the you know I wasn't just the GA covering sure. this sport I got to be really involved in all the ins and outs of what was going on and teaching the students and basically passing on being a, the type of GA that I had and, sure uh, trying at least trying to be I, I hope I was successful at, sure. at that and and then uh, yeah so. Um, so again, you know, my master's degree was in physical education, mm-hmm. um, and then and then I um, so I was looking for teaching jobs when I got done, and um, just you know never really found a great fit. Applied for a few, didn't get a few, you know, didn't get them. 
that they're, you know, again, like things happen for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> I, I ended up and, uh, um, I, I left when I graduated with my, my master's, I ended up as the athletic training outreach coordinator. So it was the coordinator of outreach and fitness for, um, a rehab clinic in South Georgia that was basically really affiliated with the, the Houston clinic, uh, and, yeah. and Columbus, Georgia. And, and so most, you know, Funny, funny. Most people know the name when you say, you know, Dr. James Andrews, yep. you know, most people know that name. Well, Dr. Houston is who trained him. Yep. Uh, and so and Dr. Andrews took the model that that Houston had in Columbus with the, the hospital and the rehab center and the foundation, the research foundation and that campus mentality and took it to, to Alabama. And and uh, I um, I got to go and be and and again integrated into a, a really cool scenario as the athletic training outreach coordinator for that for that campus how freaking and, cool and, man yeah it was it was it was it was awesome so did, i i did, worked in the clinic treating patients uh, in the mornings and then i would cover a high school in the afternoons kind of similar to what i did um yeah but there's more you know there's more to how we get there but go ahead well, the interesting thing about that too is the is the way that the time is like period of time. You know, in today's uh, in, you know, uh, if we just look at right now, <clears throat> when we were kids, in order to do what we're doing here, it would have been impossible for two guys who didn't have any broadcasting background, sure. right? For me to yeah. create, so so I have this opportunity now. Well, cell phones didn't exist then. Yeah, either, right. Right. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but to be able to do this, like for for next to nothing, right? There's an opportunity here, right? And there's an opportunity cost here. When you, when and you know like I, we can romanticize any time period, right? Yeah. But but the opportunities that you had because the field was just emerging, and your ability to to confidently get yourself into situations, sometimes by quote unquote chance, but really not because of the way that you built your resume and, and the way that you probably led. I mean, <clears throat> the thing that I hear when you're telling your story is is that, you know, and I think it's probably what makes you very good at your profession as well, is that, <clears throat> you know, along the way, you're just leading. And and again, it probably comes from some of that that you said that you know you're 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 growing up in a military family. Um, that's kind of what happens in the military, right? I mean, you you're everybody at some point in time is forced to lead, and so you know you're probably your your dad and your mom had a lot of that. You you kind of got that naturally instilled within you, and so you know like to be able to be at like almost kind of the start. Of, of that facility is, is I mean, so mind-blowing to me because of what happens later on with that facility. Well, the, you know, the, well, first, let me just clarify. So I was, I was not with Dr. Andrews. Sure. I was, I was with, I, and, and I haven't ever in my career. Sure, sure. I, I, I was with the, the Houston yeah, group yeah. who, while I was there, celebrated their 50th anniversary. So sure. it, that wasn't a okay. fledgling thing. That, sure, sure. That, that, that was well established. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, and, and I, I kind of kind of slid into that that uh, that environment. But but I appreciate you saying those, those I mean, I, I was, that was, you know, 
not my intent as I was going through things. I was sure. just trying to get the job done, right? Like that's just kind of. Yeah, but I think there's also an intrinsic quality that happens within there because you could have went into any program and not gave a shit about what was going on and just showed up, got your degree and left. I mean, you know, like your your desire to, to go in and learn and be a student. And that's one of the things that, again, as we as I kind of listen to your story and as I've talked to you in, you know, in private, that's one of the things that kind of stands out to me there. And then, you know, being able to go in and saying like, yeah, I'm a student, but I want to I want to make an impact here as well. You know, I'm not just going to leave. I'm not going to take and not give anything back to this, but also like recognize that you had people that helped you out get along the way. You're kind of paying it forward as well if you do the same thing for others. Yeah, I mean, I, I've always been just kind of that lifelong learner. So yeah, so I, yeah, but but I mean, dude, you and I both know. I mean, how many people do you run into that quit learning in 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 the industry? Like, oh yeah, I've got my degrees and my certifications and here's my successes. I'm resting on my laurels and this is what I'm going to do. It happens all the time. Yeah, don't true. I'll tell you what, I'll I'll tell you. uh, So here's talking about Dr. Houston. So one of, one of his, one of his things that he was, was famous for within, within that organization was, so his, his father used to tell him, if you're green, you're still growing. Yeah. If you're right, you're, you're next to rotten. Yeah. And so, and so I always interpreted that as once I figure I know everything, I'm, I'm pretty much close to just being dead. Right. Like, yeah. so if, if I'm still learning and trying to stay on top of everything, um, then, then, you know, I'm, I'm still growing as a, as a, as a person, as a practitioner, yeah. as a, you know, but there's a level of passion there that a lot of people, when they get art, the length of time that we've been in the profession that they lose. Right. Yeah. And, and so like for the, we were supposed to be on at nine central this morning. And the reason why I was on at nine Oh five is cause I was just finishing up an anatomy and motion training. You know, I had from eight to nine this morning, there was an hour long zoom anatomy and motion training. And I like they've done them for the last five weeks and they've not done yeah. these things before like this. And I, I, there's no way I can miss this training because it's so damn good. Right. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, just being that, that lifelong student, I, so my background, you know, one of my big backgrounds is training martial arts. I've trained martial arts for 28 years. And, uh, one of the people that I've had the great fortune to train with was Dan and Asano. Dan and Asano was a, a, a very close friend of Bruce Lee's <clears throat> and Dan and Asano has, you know, broken into far more industries. The, the, the Niners and the Cowboys in the late seventies and early eighties brought him in to do, actually you ran into this stuff um, it, when you were at Auburn. So a lot of the contact reflex drills that they, that they do with uh, offense and defensive linemen, a lot of those things come from Dan and Asano in that time during the, the Cowboys and the Niners, because uh, there was a number of guys, Randy White that played for the Cowboys. He's taken that thing on. Uh, Bob Ward was another guy. Um, that, that, I mean, that just that little sub niche is he's influenced by, but I was at an instructor camp probably early, uh, probably 2010, probably. And we're sitting on the mat and, and we're in a jujitsu class and there's this other guy teaching the class and Dan and Asano is two or three students down from me. And he says that Gene Jock Machado is the, he was a world champ, um, in jujitsu and he shows this technique and, and Drew Dan looks over at me and he goes, Jeez, can you imagine that? How did he even come up with that? 
Isn't that amazing? And this is a guy who's a legend. I mean, like, you know, he's the he's he's a Dr. James Andrew level guy in in his in industry. And that is something that will always stick out to me. This guy's been training martial arts for all of his life, is well respected and revered, and he's still on the mat marveling at something someone else is showing. So, yeah, I mean, you need to be a student. Yeah. Yeah. So, so now, okay, cool. You're you're at the high school. Uh, you're at the Houston Clinic, and you're yep. and you're kind of like transitioning from there. So so what's what's kind of the next steps there? So so my um, so Columbus, Georgia is like a hotbed of baseball players. Sure. You know, like back back. So at this time period, the Phoenix City, Alabama little league team, which is right across the river from mm-hmm. Columbus, was the Little League World Series, you know, okay. team. Um, uh, there's Columbus High School. That's where Frank Thomas went to high okay. school. Um, there was, uh, you know, the, there's just a, there was just a number of minor league pro guys that are from the area and live in the area. And so I, I treated patients in the in the morning, uh, and and I also as a strength and conditioning guy, I did you know uh, performance training and different sure. things like that. It just so happened. I just kind of gravitated towards baseball players. Yeah, they yeah. Just, you know, I, my my patient load and my client load just became just real heavy baseball oriented, uh, and uh, so we would do. There was also a local minor league team there that was affiliated with uh, the Indians at the okay. time, and and so I would do when that when that team would go on the road, if they had players that couldn't play um they would leave them back and i would do their clinical rehab we just kind of had between myself and one of the physical therapists that was there uh we we would do their you know the the rehab and and work so got to do some tommy john stuff and different things like that and and and, um just over the years i began to get more and more and more of that stuff and at, at one point um so i guess this was the year 2000 um the indians basically said hey we we love what you do um we want you to you know how about like come spend some time with us in spring training and see what we do and you know just kind of hang out and yeah and so uh so i was like heck yeah yeah right and and uh so i I went down to they were in florida at that time Mm -hmm. so i went down to winter haven florida and Mm -hmm. spent two weeks and just kind of blended into their minor league staff and got to like hang out and see what they're doing and how they did stuff and when i'm driving home uh back to back to you know georgia alabama i i uh you know i told my wife i was like this was too much fun i got i gotta do this for you know for real and so the next you know the next um the next job cycle basically i started looking for minor league baseball jobs and um so i I started out with the arizona diamondbacks in 2001 okay um spent i spent two seasons in uh a ball with with the diamondbacks i got out for a year and a half uh two years um and ran a performance enhancement center uh close to here where i where i live uh and then um uh, the brewer, a buddy of mine that I used to work with with the Diamondbacks said, hey, the, the brewers have a double-A job open right there in the city that you live in. 
Um, and I, I told, I told my wife, I said, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to apply and you know, see what happens. Cause at least then I get to stay at home more and, sure. and then work. So, yeah, so I, I got that, I got that position and, and I spent five years in double a, uh, two seasons in triple a, and then I've been in the big league since 2012. Nice. Yeah, and 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 with I mean you've you've seen the rise of of the Brewers in the last three seasons, right? I mean, the what they've done in the last three seasons has been pretty cool. It's been really it's been really fun to be a part of for sure. Uh, and but we had some we had some playoff teams for sure. You know, also while I was in the minor league system. Yeah, too. yeah, 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 yeah. Very cool. So talk about the 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 one thing that I also want to talk about um, is talk about. Uh, triaging injuries and talk about like I mean the the environment that you guys have set up there at the Brewers um, is uh, I don't I don't know if the guys even understand how good it is honestly because you know from from the outside and if it's your only experience with with a with a with a a group of professionals like yourself and and your other colleagues um, you won't know if you're, that's your only experience, right? Like I go to, we go to my jujitsu gym and we have one of the, we have the best culture I've ever trained in here in Minneapolis. And if it, and if it's a new student and they've not trained martial arts before, I tell them, cause I teach two morning classes. I tell them, I'm like, you have no idea what you just walked yourself into. And so, because they won't know, they don't know until they go to another place and, and have that compare and contrast. So talk about, um, you know, talk about the relationship that you seek to foster between you and an athlete and, you know, some of the important things that, that you see oftentimes um, that make or break a good, you know, relationship between an athletic trainer and an athlete. I mean, I, I think, um, well, one of, the, one of the benefits that, that athletic trainers in general have uh, particularly in the more traditional settings like collegiate and, and mm-hmm. professional uh, sports, is is that we see our we see our athletes every day. Sure. Um, and so, um, you know, again, one of the things that I enjoyed about the different high school scenarios that I was in in the past was I blended into their coaching staff. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't just that guy that showed up on Tuesdays and Fridays. I was there every day sure. for every practice. You know, the the players and coaches referred to me as coach. You know, yeah. um, but the, but that's that's the thing. Like I see these guys every day, and you get to know them as a as a person, and they get to know me as a person, and and so I don't um, I don't treat I tr- I try not to treat them as you know you're you're a UCL or you're an ACL or you know I you know I treat them as you're you're Joe you know right. you're Sean right. Like, and 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 I try and meet them where they're at and yeah. take a very um, athlete-centered approach of you know yes there are trends in baseball as to what you know may guide some decisions but in the end I'm dealing with one guy yep. at a time and trying to yep. trying to uh, interface with 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 him uh, and so that's I mean that that's that's the primary you know, goal. It's, it's kind of relationship building and it takes time, Yep. you know, which is another reason why I like spring training because, you know, it, it's a feeling out period for, for, uh, for us to get to know them and them to get to know us and how we approach stuff and our, why I do a lot of education with guys yeah, dude. like, this is why I'm doing this so that they understand. 
but also there I have to I have to understand that like sometimes what I think is the best way to approach stuff like I have to I have to also take into account the the player and yeah. what what he thinks as yeah. well and you know so one of the first questions I'll ask is what's worked for you in the past yeah <laughs> you know and, and if he gives me an answer you know I darn well better try and mix that in because no matter what else I try, it's probably not going to work. Right. Yeah, it's the, well, the psychology of it all. It, so. Especially when, when they have some, and it's so funny because athletes get to be so superstitious too. Right. And baseball, it's such a, I mean, you know, the only person that you ever have to think about is like Nomar, right? Like touching <laughs> his gloves six times or when you watch a guy on the mound and, and, you know, there's certain things that he does to lock himself in. And that pre-game, pre, that pre-game ritual, I mean, elite-level athletes, especially the grinder guys, you know, the guys who are kind of natural athletes, they have rituals. But the guys who really work their – and everybody works their face off. But, like, the guys who had to become extremely difficult because they were just max redlining their body the entire way, you know, they have to kind of set themselves up into these pre-rituals. And so if you try and break that pre-ritual – you're, the buy-in that you're going to get from this guy, because in his, in his head, this got him through whatever it was it got him through. And so now he's going to try and, you know, he's got to have that. And then also the, the, the other thing that I love that you said was, you know, you ask him because the, the thing that I talk to when I educate other people, other people in, in the industry is like, you realize that your client lives or the athlete lives in their body every day. So I tell my clients all the time, you know, I have lots of ideas. Whether they're good or not, it's up to you, right? Yeah. I have lots of things that I, I think might work, but we won't know until we try them out. And so that respecting of the individual and the, and the expertise, regardless of whether they're at, I had, I had a nine-year-old come in that had uh, accessory navicular pain. I had a nine-year-old come in, and I treated her the same way I would treat a professional athlete. And, and I, you know, I mean, obviously I'm not tossing out large terms at her, but I'm still asking her, so how does that feel? You know, what yeah. happens? Can you tell me about that? And the ownership that you give that player or that person over their body, that's a huge level of respect as well. Because like you said, you know, so many co- people come in and you're, you're the UCL or you're the ACL or you're the, the Achilles tear or whatever it is. So that's such a cool way to, to approach it. I love that. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, that's just kind of always, I guess that's always been my mindset and how I do that. And, you know, and the, with the younger athlete, the player development kind of scenario, I, I get a little more yeah. say in how we guide it. But yeah. then as the, you know, as the, even for like arm care stuff, like when we get up to the higher levels, you know, it was, tell me what, you know, obviously you did something well to get here. Right. Sure. So like, tell me what, what is your routine? And then, and then I make little subtle interjections thing, you know, but again, I do it over the course of time and not just, nope, we're going to do this. And, you know, this is how we do it here. And we kind of blend, blend what you do with what I'd like for you to do and kind of make, 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 make that, make that work. You know? Yeah. I I think it's such a, uh, again, like, cause I, you know, I, I sit on, I I've assisted a lot of continuing education courses and that's, you know, how we kind of got affiliated with with each other with one of the continuing education courses that we've both taken and through our mutual colleague, Marissa Macias. And um, 
I can tell it's you it's her birthday today. I know it is. I know. I'm I, <laughs> I'm gonna send her a video later on today. Um, so Marissa, if you happen to watch this, happy birthday from us both. Happy birthday. Yeah, and Marissa's. I mean, I love her so much. She's she's such a great person. But um, you know, I sit in continuing education courses with people across all spectrums. You know, and people are not that patient centered. I mean, they're just not, or they're not that person centered. They they get kind of locked up into that idea of. You know, um, I've got to do this and it has to be this way. And they and they don't have a very flexible growth mindset to the way that they approach things. I mean, I'm yeah. I'm the first person to like, I'll try something for like a couple, three times. And if it doesn't work, I'm punting and going a different direction. Like, yeah, you know. Well, and again, I have I have the beauty of like, I see guys every day. So yep. like I get I get like, you know, I get instant feedback. Yep. Uh, that didn't really work very well today. All right. Well, tomorrow, you know, let's, yep. I'll give one more shot and we're going to try something else. Yep. You know? Or, but, but I also, because I see them every day and because of the way the, the routine of the day kind of flows out, like I, I really only get like in sure. my room, 15, 20, sure. 30 minutes max with sure. the guys, you know, especially the, you know, if it's not a reconditioning kind of scenario, Yeah. but, um, so we, we, we kind of call it the, the 23 hour rule, right? Like I get, I get, uh, between our room and the athletic training room and the weight room, we get basically an hour to try and work on all the crap they did to themselves the other 23 hours of the day. Yeah. Um, you know, so, but I get to do it every day. So at least it's not like, okay, I'll see you next week or, and see how that worked or whatever. Yeah. But that, I, I love that because it's so outcomes based, right? I mean, you're, it, it is so trial and error. And, and it, you, in order to be good at that, you have to be very flexible. You have to have a very like, um, and then also interestingly enough, you have to be flexible, but you have to be focused enough to, to be able to pick and choose from what you want to do. What was the thing that gave you the, the outcome that you were looking for? And that's a skill in itself that, that is really tough to develop. Yeah. It it takes, I just, you know, you just have to have, a lot of patient interactions right yep. so you can so you can get a feel for that yep yeah and, and I, I again i i credit you know my start right like i was immersed in clinical experiences from the very beginning yeah well and and it's it's such a cool journey to like watch you like it, this is the, the reason why i you know when when we were off air i said look I want to sit down and I want to pretend like we're at a bar or a coffee shop and we're just chatting and, and like, cause I'm, I'm so intrinsically interested in people's stories. I'm so intrinsically interested in like one of my favorite books of all time is Malcolm Gladwell's outliers. Like, yeah. Like that's great. I, I have such a man crush on Gladwell for a couple different reasons. A, I think he's a phenomenal storyteller. B, uh, I think he's got great hair and obviously I don't have any, so <laughs> there's a little bit of envy there. Right. Um, <laughs> But the way that he lays out in Revisionist History, his podcast, is fantastic. Oh my god, dude! Like the his last story about the Boston Tea Party, yeah, and, man. And, and how basically Americans are just a bunch of, you know, mobster pirates yep. and not like the heroes yep. we all think they are. Yep, was fantastic. Yeah, and and then talking to strangers, his book, talking to strangers, and the way like he, I love the way that he takes a topic, he starts with a problem, kind of lays out the problem gives you his spin which you might not agree with and then by the time he's done you're like well shit i cannot disagree with this guy you know his conversational ability to 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 just lay out his facts 
And then, I, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I, I own Outliers, but I had it on, like I, I bought it on CD, you know, um, when it first came out and I would listen to it on an audiobook and I just, I mean, I could listen to that guy forever. So the I love the way that we've kind of like pieced together your history because the beginning matters at the end and the end matters at the beginning. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like there, there's not a, there's not a, you know, a, a, it's not a mistake. Like you said, you know, there's no mistake that where you're at in your career and the reason that you have the level of excellence that you do in your career, that didn't happen by chance, right? It, it happened because there's a number of things that, that led up to that. Well, just, you know, uh, and a, and a lot of luck, you know, just to being in the right place at the right time. But, but you know, you, you try and to, to coin a phrase from a, uh, another mentor of, of mine, like, you know, you just, you're aggressively patient. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I, mean, I had a client in Michigan um, who uh, was an amazing story of outliers. I mean, like, amazing, like, you talk to him and you hear his story, I mean. But one of the one of the things that Jerry would say is when I would say early on in my career, because he was a mentor of mine, because he was he was he owned a business and we had just kind of developed this really good relationship. I would see him every week for an hour, like talk about like I spent more time with Jerry in the 15 years he was a client than I did anybody in my family other than probably my mother, father, brother and my wife. Right. Like, I mean. And so Jerry would say, you know, luck is when when hard work meets opportunity or where hard work meets preparation, right? Like, yeah. you know, like those things there, like, yeah, I mean, yes, there's luck, but I mean, you know, like the, the guy that I'm working with here, you know, he gets this, he gets, you know, he gets a really pretty nice inquiry so far for a kid that's pitching at a D1 school that's not like, it's not a power five, right? You know, if you were just to look at the 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 circumstance of him getting having a conversation with a pro team yesterday, and potentially if there's if if they actually have invite, you know, uh, workouts like getting the invite to a pro workout today, if you were to look at him and you were just to meet him today, and you go, oh well, yeah, of course that makes sense. But I know what this kid's done for the last two years, right? This kid has busted his ass for two years. I mean, he's not even remotely the same pitcher that he was two years ago. Not even close, right? Yeah. And it's because of the hard work. And, you know, for you, it's because of, like, those 60-hour weeks at Auburn, you know? It's because you walked into the – I mean, dude, I'm walking into the strength and conditioning program at Auburn and, like, like kicking the door open, essentially, right? And go, like, <laughs> yo, man, no, no, no. I'm, I'm it was, here. It was, it, it was more like uh... – Excuse me, yeah, of sir. Course. Yeah. <laughs> but but how many kids? So so this is the funny thing about that because when because when I was uh, when my first eight years in practice, I would set up at a local farmers market and do dollar a minute chair massage to promote my business at the local farmers market. And I was in a town of like seven thousand to ten thousand people. So eventually, about year three or four, I would be walking downtown because it was the the farmers market was just like on it was in one of the downtown blocks. I would walk downtown and somebody would go, oh, oh, hey, that's the farmer's market guy, the farmer's market massage guy. Like they would know me, right? And so, but do you know how many people, massage therapists, you can always spot them because they would sit, they would like sit, like they were, they thought that they were really good at like, like, like spying on you, you know? And it was painfully evident because massage therapists are just such awkward people anyways, right? And they would stand there and like look. And I could tell it wasn't just like a client, you know, like observing because clients have different behaviors. 
And uh, I would I I would look at them and go, hey, can I help you? You know, blah blah blah. And they were like, this is a really good idea. I should come out here and do this. And do you know, in eight years, how many times I saw someone set up at the market alongside of me? Twice. Yeah. And I was there 12, probably somewhere between nine to 12 weekends a year, right? I mean, like, so so how many kids wanted to have that opportunity, but you made it happen because you went and knocked on the door and saw what happened, you know? Like, you, you didn't ask for permission. You just went, knocked on the door and said, hey, look, here I am. Let's see what happens. It's how I got yeah. hired at the first massage practice I got hired at, right? I mean... Like, and that set my career up. That one decision walking into the practice that I was in. So I think that's a really important thing because, you know, I have this, I, I talk about this on, on my Instagram page a little bit. I have this thing, right? Um, I, I have this thing that I'm doing here with this this base, this pitching nerd thing, right? I really see this as a community. I don't want it, I don't want it to be the Sean show. I have zero interest in that. I could do that on my own. Um, and I've attempted to do that on my own. Whenever I do it on my own, it's not, it doesn't work very well. <laughs> and so the thing that I want to, the reason why it was so important for me to have you on early, and I would love to have you on again at some point in time. But the oh, reason, I'd love to do it. yeah, the reason why I wanted to have you on early is because I want kids that don't make it to the show, be, because of whatever happens, I want them to see that there's that the sport that they love and the sport that they grew up playing and the sport that they they're, that they're passionate about. I want them to see that there's other ways to be involved with baseball at a variety of different levels. And you're such a great example of that. And also, what does it take to get there? A lot of times, there's so many people vying for your job and jobs like yours. And a lot of times, it's being aggressively patient. It's being able to just say, hey, this is the direction I'm going to go in. I'm going to go there. But along the way, I've got to take some opportunity. I've got to take some risks and make opportunities happen for myself. And and listening to your story, I mean, it's just a great example of that. Well, you know, it's it's that it's that uh, that iceberg paradigm, right? Like most people just see that that tip of the yeah, iceberg. Yeah, for sure. Oh, that's really cool. I'm in the dugout every night, you know, whatever. But there's so much below the surface that that happens on a day to day basis, but also that's happened to to help you know get there. Yeah. And, and I think that's also one of those things that if a kid is watching this and, you know, is, is bound and determined to make it to the show and that's what he's going to do, that he's going to put every last effort into it. He's, he's got to recognize, too, that the guy that he's looking up to has had to do all of this work to get to where he's at. Nobody gets lucky. I mean, the amount of luck, and you can kind of see the guys that do get lucky, they have a really hard time maintaining whatever it is that they do. The, you know, the guys that have so much athletic talent but don't have any discipline to, to back that athletic talent up. I mean, you can go across the, every sport and every high-level performer, you know, like, like if you just kind of show up and arrive and you don't have a lot of the discipline. I mean, I think the perfect example of this is, is you know, the, the last dance the, is out right now and everybody's watching the, the Bulls. Dude, it's Rodman. Like that guy had more talent. Like I used to laugh because I grew up, I grew up in the, in that era, right? I remember yeah. the Bad Boy Pistons. Like I was a, yeah. and Rodman was my dude. And to tell you that in Detroit, you you'll understand this because you understand Milwaukee and you understand how blue collar Milwaukee is. Detroit is just as blue collar. And so like when when like Braun, right? Guys get like, oh my gosh, everybody loves Braun because he's such a 
he's a blue collar kind of hardworking dude, right? And that that blue collar mentality kind of like picks up in there. And so when you look at Rodman, Rodman got dropped into the stage, right? And obviously he had not a lot of great support as as a child growing up, but he didn't know what to do with his fame, and and, and he didn't some of the stuff that happened to him was because he didn't have to go through some of the, the, the growing stages of becoming this elite level athlete. He just grew and got good at, at, and he had a great second jump, you know? So, so I think there's a lot of things that people can take away from like your, regardless of wherever they want to go to get to where they're at, there's a lot of hard work and, and making things happen for you that need to happen. Well, you know, I, I appreciate the, the shout out on that for sure. Yeah, I, I, you know, I obviously, you know, when when you're in the middle of it, you know, you, you know, I, I had the I had the dream of being in the big leagues, and, sure. and uh, you know, you you try and try and do. Fortunately, I have, I have a wife and a family that let me chase that dream sure. too. But, yeah, but but in in the middle of it, it's just about doing the of job, course. right? And then and then whatever whatever happens happens. I mean, I I have I have uh, buddies that you know have been minor league athletic trainers for you know as long as i've been an athletic trainer and still still haven't had the the opportunity the the, the opportunity and and you know and they're they have similar processes and thoughts and ideas and work ethics as i do it's just i i I was in the right place at the right time and, and i'm just trying to make the most of it yeah for sure for sure so um, I think that's a I think that's a really good place to kind of wrap up and and you know, um, but seriously, I I would absolutely love to have you back on again and and you know hopefully soon for you and hopefully for my sanity for crying out loud like we can figure out how to get back to baseball because my cousin and I were texting there uh, we had this we had this picture on uh, Instagram from two years ago at a Brewers game. You know, um, they were giving away the, I should have, that would have been really embarrassing. I should have wore the tank top because I got like a, I got like a large and it shrank to like a kid's small on the wash, you know, medium. Yeah. 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 We were, we were sitting there and you know, like he, he liked it on, on Instagram, you know, two years after I posted it cause he's a knucklehead. Um, but I, I said to him, I was like, dude, I am dying here. You know, like this is my summer is like, let's get outside, go do stuff. And I buy the MLB network, you know, I buy the, the season ticket or whatever the hell it's called every year. I can't listen to anything now, you know, like when I'm out on grilling something, I want to listen to the game, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah, hopefully at some point in time, your life picks up and gets back to quote unquote normal, whatever that is yeah. now. Well, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of optimism. I, I'm yeah. hoping that, it, I'm hoping that it's going to happen. Yeah. Happen, happen soon. So we'll, we'll see. So states are starting to open back up yep. now and, Yep. So I, I think we're, I think we, we might be moving in that, in that direction. I so like- I, you know, I, I, uh, I didn't say it at the beginning, but I really appreciate you having me on and inviting me and, and, and to be one of your early guests is a, is an honor. I appreciate it. Yeah, dude. I mean, the thing that I wanted to, the thing that I want to do is I want to not just have like baseball pitching people. Like I want to, I want to, cause your, your support but you're a vitally important piece of support that not a lot of people get to see and hear about. And I think that that, that story is so important because A, um, people start to understand what it is that you do a little bit better and how, how you can be so important to a player. And then B, it shows people possibly, you know, like, like a, a kid that's my son's age, 
you know, or a kid that's 18 or 19 that listens to the podcast, you know, that wants to listen to two dudes like sit here and, you know, be old guys and talk about, you know, things. Um, but, you know, possibly it shows them, you know, hey, look, there's a lot of different ways to do it. And, and um, you know, in our previous conversations that there was a there was definitely uh, something that I felt like we kind of we had that kind of uh, kinship with with wanting to learn and doing and being the best at who we could be. And that's the people I want to talk to. And that's the people I want to talk about. And because those types of people, I think, are there's a there's a fine line in the sand. Of, of doing that and I want to and I want to like show people that do that and, and have conversations with them because first of all like I love to have these types of conversations we would have this exact same conversation if I was in Milwaukee in the bar right we, we yeah. were having a beer and a brat like that's we would yeah, talk about sure. this and this is how we would yeah. talk you know so so cool man well I I super appreciate your time I super appreciate you coming on and uh, I can't wait to have you on again and we can get we can get straight nerdy with other stuff that we do cuz we didn't even yeah. touch the tip of the iceberg we didn't, stuff. Yeah we didn't we didn't yeah. even touch the like the the how we go about doing all this stuff so, Yeah so uh, uh yeah I'd love I'd love to to get into those philosophical discussions too so Yeah well we'll do it again soon All right man thanks so much You got it man yep. anytime thank you Yep bye Thanks for listening to Pitching Nerd Show. To grow the Pitching Nerd crew, do me a favor. Rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps me to get to better guests and more opportunities for the podcast. Thanks so much, and we'll talk to you guys soon.